Well, good evening. I would like to welcome you to our live stream service. So glad that you are tuning in. I hope you really enjoyed the services we had this morning and all of the Christmas music and the great job everyone involved in the program did. It truly is the most wonderful time of the year. We enjoy the music, we enjoy the festivities and everything going on, and of course, celebrating the birth of our Savior. And sometimes while it is the most wonderful time of the year, it is also the most hectic time of the year. And I want to share something with you that has helped me throughout the month of December. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn in them to Luke chapter 2, verse number 19. We're going to look at a lot of different scripture, but I want to focus on this one passage, and from it will come some of our other thoughts. The title of our, my challenge tonight in our time together is The Practice of Pondering. And of course, when you hear the word pondering, I think you know where we're going. Let's go ahead and just read that verse together. Luke chapter 2, verse number 19 says, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. A recent study tackled the question of how many photos are taken every single day across the entire globe. Now, of course, with the advent of the phone and putting a camera on our phone and our phone is always with us, the number of photos taken has gone way up over the past couple of decades. And the study came back with, it is estimated that approximately 1.8 trillion photos are taken worldwide every single year. And when you break that down, it comes to 57,000 photos per second or 5 billion photos per day. The average person takes about 20 photos every single day. Now, if you're younger, you probably take more than 20 than those who are older. The number of photos on the internet is 750 billion. So only 6% of the total photos that were ever taken since most of the photos were taken have never been shared on the internet, but still remain on storage devices like phones and hard drives. The average user on their phone has about 2,100 images. Why do we take so many photos? Well, photos have a way of bringing back memories and bringing back the details that were forgotten. With a photo, we can sit there and we can reflect on what happened at the moment that photo was taken. Someone said that a photograph is the pause button of life. As chaotic and hectic as a day might be, when a photo is taken, it's a still image that captures just that one fraction of a second of that day. Photos also help us remember how we felt when they were taken. I've learned that people's favorite photos aren't the photographs that are the most beautiful or perfectly exposed and composed and captured, but rather the ones where they remember the emotions that they were feeling at the time the photograph was taken. And when they look at that photo, it, they reflect back and they remember the joy of the situation. They remember how happy they were when it was taken, and that's why they like 
those photos, though it might not be the perfect or the best photo taken on that day. There's a Bible verse right at the end of the Christmas story in Luke that is similar, similar to these types of reflective moments that we have when we look at photographs. Leading up to this verse, Mary and Joseph traveling for the census finally make it to Bethlehem. Jesus is born and he's wrapped in the rags that they had available for at the time and he was laid in a cattle trough. The shepherds got surprised by the angels and were told by the Messiah, or were told the Messiah was born. Thousands of angels sang, and the shepherds went to Bethlehem to check out this newborn baby. And when the shepherds saw the baby, they then went, as they were instructed, and told everyone. And then this little obscure verse, in the hecticness of everything that was happening, this obscure verse is slipped in at the end, Luke chapter 2, verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary stored these events in her heart, and she revisited them, like we would pull out a photograph and we would revisit the memories of that day. Mary was taking mental snapshots, and she was remembering all of these events that had just happened. In the verse, Mary kept all these things. The word kept teaches us Mary mentally remembered and preserved these thoughts in her mind. The word ponder goes even deeper, and it tries to understand the meaning of why it happened that day. Pondering is hard work, which is why we don't spend much time doing it. It's not just a keeping of the things or of the memories, but it's going much deeper and it's connecting dots and it's understanding how God is moving and the great work that he is doing. And Mary pondered what good was happening in her life at this moment. I think that's something that we are missing in our Christmas season. Pondering, or we could use the word reflecting. We miss the opportunity to reflect on what that first Christmas means for us. We will reflect on this Christmas in just a few days, and we're going to reflect on how pretty the house looked with all of the lights and the decorations out. We might reflect on how nice it was to have family in town, to have family in the home and all of the noise and the busyness and the excitement that comes with that. And we'll reflect on how nice it was to listen to Christmas music. We might reflect on how we ate too much and how we tried to do too much with too little time in the month of December. But then it's going to fade. And we'll start anticipating the next event on our calendar when we flip the page from December to January, starting the brand new year of 2024. But how often do we reflect on what that first Christmas means for us? How often do we ponder and connect the dots and truly consider all of the ways God worked on our behalf? In the book, keeping company with Mary, the author says this, never underestimate the pondering of a mother. Mary is a thoughtful person. Nothing that is happening is getting past her attention. 
As such, her pondering, her treasuring, her keeping all of the words should tell us something. Something very important about our own responses and reactions to the life of Jesus. So let's look at some of the things that are good for us to reflect on. Good for us to to ponder on concerning the very first Christmas. And first I want to look at, let's reflect on God stepping into our world. The almighty, infinite God stepping into our finite world. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was John chapter 1, verse 14. Emmanuel means God with us. He was born that first Christmas. The word dwelt is an unusual word, and it literally means to like pitch a tent. You only set up a tent if you plan on staying a little while. If I were to go on a day hike, I'm not going to carry a tent with me and I'm not going to pitch a tent any time of that day because I plan on being in my home and in my bed that evening. Now, if I'm going to go out for a week, I'm going to have a tent with me and I'm going to pitch it and I'm going to dwell on that mountain. The word dwells an illusion of the Old Testament tabernacle where God came to meet with his people. And John here is saying that God is not only met in the temple, but he came to live among his people. For a little while, he pitched his tent among us. And because he did that, God is familiar with what we face in life. He's lived in the same world. Jesus breathed the same air, and he's exposed to all of the good of life, but also all of the bad of life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched. So we have a double negative there, which means we do have a high priest that can be touched with. With what? With the feeling of our infirmities, our weaknesses but was in all points tempted like as we are, but yet without sin. That phrase, be touched with, means to share an experience with someone or to sympathize with and have compassion for someone. So when God came and pitched his tent and dwelled with us, he was touched by the same things that touch us. I find that to be a very comforting thought. He has been where we are. He has felt the things that we feel. And because of that, Jesus empathizes with every temptation and every struggle that we have in life. He identifies and he sympathizes with us. And because of that, he has compassion for us regarding everything that we're feeling. Or no matter what situation we are in, God empathizes with us. Jesus has been where we are. He has felt what we feel. And he has overcome the temptations that we in our life are now trying to overcome. 
And because his experiences are of his experiences, he understands the emotions, the frustrations, and everything that we face. So therefore, there is no need at any point in our life to feel embarrassed to go before the Lord and to ask Jesus for help. When we go with him or to him with our infirmities, he is saying, yes, I know. I have felt that. Yes, I have been there. Yes, I have faced temptations. Now, I didn't sin in those temptations. I overcame them. And because I overcame those temptations, you can too. If anyone can understand what we're going through right now, it is Jesus. Tempted in all points. Make a list of all the points that you are tempted in. Make a list of all of your frustrations, all of your emotions, all the things you're going through. And in all of those points, Jesus is saying, I have gone through those. But he never succumbed to temptation. As a result, he understands our dilemma. He has experienced our problems. Jesus is familiar with disappointment. He knows the temptation to get frustrated. And he sympathizes when we get upset. He entered our world. Ponder on that for a little bit. Let's also reflect also on the example lived by that baby boy that was born that first Christmas. That baby's life would be far from an easy life. Think about it. At the age of two, he was already on the most wanted list. Most wanted posters. You don't see them anymore, but picture them. Most wanted photos. They're typically of grown men and women. I've never seen one of a two-year-old baby, but Jesus was the most wanted even as a toddler. Before he could even walk, he was wanted by Herod and sought and wanted to be killed. As he grew, he was constantly hounded by religious people, telling him he was doing it all wrong. We don't like when people tell us we're doing it wrong, especially when we know we're doing it right and they're the ones that are doing it wrong. But that was Jesus his entire adulthood. He was doing everything the father tasked him to do. And all of the outside voices were speaking into him saying, you are doing it wrong. You are incorrect. Jesus was loved, but not loved back. He gave, though he was not given to. He was deserted by those closest to him, but he never gave up the calling and the mission of his life. He was abandoned at his most challenging hour by those that were closest to him. The ones that he hand-selected all the way down to just three and brought with him to, for his final moments before his death. And even they disappointed him and couldn't stay awake in that garden. But he never quit reaching out to people. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. John is saying Jesus is our example. To do something even as he walked implies following what the things that he did. 
Let me just give us two things really quick that Jesus did. One, he loved others. So the example he set for us, we could love as he loved others. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Love as he loved, and also forgive as he forgave. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. As he forgave, you forgave. Ponder on that. Reflect on the example Christ set for us. Let me move on. Let's also, during this Christmas season, we often think of his birth. Let's reflect on his work on the cross. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. That baby boy came to die. All of his life pointed to one major event, the cross. And he went to the cross to free us from the penalty of sin. And his forgiveness is real. His forgiveness is lasting. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's important for us to remember no one still alive is irredeemable. God is willing to forgive everyone if they turn to him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That child grew into a man and died and rose again. He paid a sin debt that we could not owe. He provides eternal life for all who trust in him. I am grateful for my salvation. Grateful that I accepted Christ and I was in a family where salvation was lived out in front of me and was talked about. And at the age of five, I accepted Christ. I am grateful for that. But my gratitude... If it's authentic, and if I'm going to live out my faith in an authentic way, it will lead me to share that story to others. I will share the story of salvation with those that I come in contact with. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We hear that word and we say, ah, the preacher. We need more men standing behind pulpits. And that is true. We do. We need young men being called into ministry who will stand behind the pulpit and preach. But the context of this verse, and when you hear preacher, it doesn't mean just a man called to stand behind a pulpit and lead a people as a shepherd, but it means simply a herald, a town crier, someone who will go into the town square and share the gospel. How are they going to hear if there is not a town crier, someone who will herald the truth. Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach 
The word preach there literally means announce good news. Anyone can announce the good news of the birth of our Savior and his death on the cross and his resurrection. It's beneficial for all. So while we ponder the amazing grace poured out in our lives that grants us eternal life, we should also with that ponder who we can pray for to reach it. Who we can build a relationship with that will position us to have conversations of how we can share the good news of the gospel. And I challenge all of us to ponder and to reflect on how can we be a better herald of the gospel? How can we be a better town crier? Of course, it requires us to be in the town, to be in the town square to make those announcements. So who can we form relationships with that will position us to have those conversations? Let's also reflect on God and how he is with us every moment of our lives. Many times while family comes into town for some families to meet and they all have a big gathering around a table, there are others who are very lonely at Christmas time because those days are behind them. And they might find themselves with a lot of empty seats around the table or with just themselves. But understand this, no one is alone. God is with us all. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And while earlier we talked about Emmanuel, it means God is with us. And yes, Jesus came in the form of a baby and soon ascended. So Jesus' time of dwelling and pitching a tent was for a short period of time. And while he left and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, know this, we are not alone just because Jesus ascended, but he left us his spirit. God is with us today. Emmanuel is so much more than Jesus coming. It's the Holy Spirit staying. God not only was with us, but he is with us. He has always been with us and will always be with us. And he is with us even now in this Christmas season. From his coming to his going, God has been reminding us he is with us. And I think God reminds us so many times that he is with us because we are prone to forget that he is with us. We slip into the emotional state of thinking we are all alone and no one else understands what we are going through and the turmoil within us and the emotions that we are feeling. And God is saying, hey, I know those emotions. I know those feelings and I am with you. God is with us in our hardship and in our pain in our crying, in our doubt, in our fears, and in our struggles. He is even with us in our temptation to sin and in our thoughts and every action. He's with us when we're alone in a crowd with a friend or with someone who does not like us. He's with us in those joyful moments 
and those moments of achievement and laughter and great blessing. This means so much for us. For anything that we have gone through, anything that we're going through, anything that we will go through, the incredible reality of knowing that God is with us gives us strength and it gives us a boldness and it gives us a courage to continue on. We never walk alone. We never sit alone. We never sleep alone. And though it might feel like we are alone, we can rest on our faith, on the things that we cannot see with our physical eyes and just rest on God is with us. We could trust his word. So let's ponder this Christmas season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most chaotic time of the year. Let's take some snapshots of what God has done for us and reflect on them. So what's the opposite of pondering and reflecting? Here's a list I have that's quite revealing. So if we don't ponder, we don't reflect, you know what then we're doing? We're ignoring, neglecting, disregarding, we're forgetting, we're overlooking, we're forsaking, we're squandering. And we don't want to do that. We would all be better off if we did more pondering and less public sharing, more treasuring and less telling, more meditating and less just speaking our mind, more thinking and less talking, more dwelling and less disregarding. And I'll end with the verse I started with, Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary kept all these things mental snapshots, and then pondered them in her heart. She meditated, and she dwelt on those things and allowed God to use those things in her life to reveal what he was doing. So I encourage all of us, let's practice some pondering this Christmas season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of just scripture and how we could rely on it, we could trust it, we could lean on it. And I pray that you would help us with a busy December schedule to maybe take an early morning or a late night or a quiet afternoon and ponder on all of the things that you have done for us in our life. For out of the pondering will come great strength and courage to face the days ahead. We thank you for the birth of your Savior. We thank you for knowing, Lord, Lord, that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.